Mark, if you will, and then turn over to Matthew chapter 1, if you will, and I'm going to read a couple of passages, uh, passages of Scripture there. I, um, I, I was um, so moved last week, for those of you who were here, you know that at the end of the service, the Lord uh, gave us a prophetic word uh, that basically said, I don't want you to walk in doubt any longer. I, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And to back that up, he said, I have authorized you to use my name. And I don't know about you, but when I heard that in my spirit, in fact, I watched it back several times this week on the, on the live stream video. And I just, it just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper in my spirit that we are authorized to use His name. He has given us power of attorney, if I can say it that way, to live our lives according to His power and in His name. And so today I want to talk to you about what that means. I want to talk to you about the name and how we can utilize it so that we can experience victory in our lives. I want you to go to Isaiah, if you will, chapter 9, and look at verse 6 with me. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now flip over, if you will, in your Bible to Matthew chapter 1, and begin reading with me at verse 18, chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. That's a reference to the virgin birth, which we talked about last week. That's very important. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold... An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." Father, thank you so much for your powerful word today. We have gathered here this morning to connect with you in the realm of the Spirit. We know that we've been exalted together with you in the heavenly places and that you are prepared to pour knowledge into us this morning. I pray for your speaker today that you will give him the wisdom and the knowledge that is necessary to present this message in such a way that it can be transformational to our lives. I pray for this congregation today that they will make the necessary changes in their life. and They will begin 
to use your name and realize that they are authorized to use it so that they might obtain victory in every area of their life. I ask you for this in Jesus' name. To God be the glory for all that will be done. Amen and amen. You know, it, it seems to me that throughout Scripture that God is constantly inviting us to step out of this world, if you will, in the spirit realm and step into the world where He rules and where He reigns. And yet so many of us live not only in the flesh, but we walk in fleshly principles. But can I suggest to you today that if you ever intend to have spiritual victory in your life, you will have to learn how to use the name of Jesus in your walk with Him. And the only way that I know of that you can use the name of Jesus is to know what His name represents, to know what His name is, and then how to use it in any given situation that you find yourself in. Now, from Genesis to Revelation, we are told the names of God over and over and over again. May I remind you that in Scripture days that names were not randomly given. They weren't as concerned about whether they named it after grandma or after grandpa or after mom or dad as they were to give a name that would be prophetic in nature. So that when they assigned a name to a child, that name would be part of their destiny. It would be part of their design. It would be part of their DNA. I always liked my name. My name is William. William means the conqueror. I like that. And then my second name, Robert, I'm not real sure what it means. But I like it, and I like it because it was my dad's name. But what I really like is that when we possess a name that is part of our DNA, then it gives us the incentive to live according to that. Now, throughout Scripture, every time we see the name of God, He is revealing His DNA to us. He is revealing who He is and who He can be in our lives. Years ago, there was a song that was written, and it was called Jesus, from Genesis to Revelation. I would like to read for you this morning the lyrics to that song. You may recognize it when I begin to read the lyrics. It says, in Genesis, He is our Creator God. In Exodus, He is our Redeemer. In Leviticus, He is our Holiness. In Numbers, He is our Guide. In Deuteronomy, He is our Teacher. In Joshua, He is the Mighty Conqueror. In Judges, He is the perfect judge. And in Ruth, He is your kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, He is a powerful prophet. In First and Second Kings, He is the reigning king. In First and Second Chronicles, He is our intercessor. 
and our high priest. In Ezra, he is the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of the broken walls. In Esther, he stands in the gap to deliver you from your enemies. In Job, he understands your pain. In Psalm, he is your reason to sing. Amen. In Proverbs, he is your wisdom for life. In Ecclesiastes, he is your purpose and your satisfaction. In the Song of Solomon, he is the lover of your soul. In Isaiah, he is the mighty counselor, the prince of peace, the everlasting father, and the mighty God. In Jeremiah, he is your comfort in times of suffering. In Lamentations, he is the ever faithful one upon whom you can depend. Amen. In Ezekiel, he is the son of man. In Daniel, he is the ancient of days. In Hosea, he is your faithful lover. In Joel, he is your refuge. In Amos, he bears your burdens. In Obadiah, he is your mighty Savior. In Jonah, he is your salvation. In Micah, he is our peace. In Nahum, he is your avenger. In Habakkuk, he is the Holy One. Amen. In Zephaniah, he is mighty to save. In Haggai, he is the Lord of hosts. In Zechariah, he is the crucified Son of God. In Malachi, he is the Son of Righteousness. In Matthew, he is the King of the Jews. In Mark, he is the faithful servant. In Luke, he is the Son of Man. In John, he is the Son of God. In Acts, he is the risen Lord and the Savior of the world. In Romans, he is your justifier. In 1 Corinthians, he is your righteousness. In 2 Corinthians, he is the triumphant one. In Galatians, he sets you free. In Ephesians, he is the head of the church. In Philippians, he is your joy. In Colossians, he is your completeness. In 1 Thessalonians, he is your hope. In 2 Thessalonians, he is your glory. In 1 Timothy, he is your mediator. In 2 Timothy, he is your master. In Titus, he is our blessed hope. In Philemon, he is your benefactor. In Hebrews, he is your great high priest. In James, he is our judge. In 1 Peter, he is your example. In 2 Peter, he is your purity. In 1 John, he is your life. In 2 John, he is your pattern for living. In 3 John, he is your truth. In Jude, he is the foundation of your faith. And in Revelation, he is the King of kings, uh, and he is the Lord of lords. Give him some praise in the house today. Amen. Amen. As you can see this morning, he is the theme of Scripture. The whole book points to Jesus. Amen. You say, well, I know the Bible, but listen, if you know the Bible, but you don't know Jesus, you've missed the whole point. Because the whole point of knowing Scripture is to be introduced to God Almighty through Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son. Amen. 
You see, when He begins to reveal Himself to us, we need to pay attention. Because at some point in our life, we're going to need to know all of these characteristics of God. Because in any given situation that you find yourself in, one name of God may not be appropriate in that situation. You may need to know another name to, to, to be authorized to use in that situation. We'll get to that in just a moment. As I begin to think about that this week, and you know, Lord, I, I, I want you to show us who you are. Show us your glory. This week, I tell you, I've had a rough week as a pastor I mean, I, I have been carrying burdens for men and women in our church that it's not my burden to carry, and yet at the same time, as a pastor, when you love people and when you care about them, when they begin to struggle, it's hard not to carry a burden with them. And in recent months, I have watched people literally give up on their faith. I talked to a young man not too long ago and he is nursing a wound that he just cannot let go of. And in my conversation, he just simply said, I have given up on anything that has anything to do with my soul. I have made up my mind that I'm finished. I'm finished with church. I'm finished with God. I'm finished with Jesus. And if I die today or if Jesus comes back today, I guess I'll just spend time in hell. And when I heard that statement, this burden came upon me for this individual soul. I'm telling you when you're a pastor and when you watch people as they navigate through life and they make poor choices and bad decisions... It's hard not to carry that burden with them. I know others that they've gotten bad reports from the doctor. And they don't know how to utilize the name of Jesus as healer. They don't know how to have faith as their, their healer. They, they just don't know how to do that. I've watched families as they begin to break apart because they can't get along. I, I have watched these things through the years time and time and time again and it seems that the older I get and the more years I spend in ministry the harder it is for me to watch people disintegrate in their faith because they don't understand what scripture has to say about their situation. I told the Lord, I said Lord I make a fresh commitment to you I'm, I, I'm not, I'm, I don't care about all the church growth uh, uh, patterns and things of that nature. Lord, you said you'd grow the church, so I just trust you to do that. You've called me to be a pastor. You've called me to love people. And Father, if you will help me to have a clear understanding of Scripture, and if you will give me the influence in the lives of people so that I can speak a timely word in their lives, Lord, I will spend the remainder of my life trying to edify and build up people so that they don't give up and so that they don't quit and so that they are not uh, quitters and, 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 but they can become conquerors and overcomers because of the Word of God. If 
I could wish anything for you, it would be that you would have full and complete and total victory in your life. The only way that you're ever going to have that is when you truly understand who He is. And the only way that you can truly understand who He is is to study the revelation that He gave of Himself. How many of you have children that you at one time, you gave them a name? Can I see your hand? Amen. We did two. We had two. We named one Jonathan. We named one Aaron. I I was beginning to think Jonathan would never get a name because we just couldn't think of one. And, and, you know, I finally, I told her, you pick one. I said, because I'm fresh out. I, I don't, you know, unless we name him Rastus, I don't know what else to call him. And she chose Jonathan because I think she was really afraid that I might would want to use Rastus as his name. Every now and then I still call him Rastus just for the fun of it. But it's hard when it falls your responsibility to place a name upon a child. But God decided to name himself. I like that. He didn't ask us to name him. He didn't ask us to do a lottery and draw one out. He just said, this is who I am And this is what you can call me in this given circumstance uh, so that you can know who I am and what I am capable of. And so he spoke through the prophet Isaiah back in the Old Testament. And he said, I want you to announce to my people that I shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, in the King James Version, it probably says Wonderful Counselor comma, counselor, comma, but in the original language and writing, it's not two different characteristics. It's the same. So what he is saying is, is that I am the wonderful counselor. Now that word wonderful is a word that means that it is higher than any other. It, it is it is greater than anything else. Oh, you know, we think about wonderful and we just think about something that appeals to us, just something that that looks good to us or something that tastes good to us. You know, like apple pie, at Dutch apple pie, even at that. I mean, you can you can look at it and take a bite and say, oh, that that tastes wonderful to me. But it may not be the best Dutch apple pie that you've ever had. It may be wonderful, but it's not the best. When God says, you can refer to me as wonderful counselor, you don't have anything else to compare me to. My wisdom is higher than any other. My knowledge is higher than any other knowledge. What I know leaves everyone else and everything else in the dust. I am your wonderful counselor, higher than all others. Amen. You know what he's saying to us? In Scripture he says, with all of your getting, get knowledge. With all of your 
forgetting, get understanding. When God, who is our wonderful counselor, counsels us to get knowledge and get understanding, what he is saying to us is, what I want you to get is me. What I want you to understand is who I am. What I want you to see is what I can do. Because if you get me, if you get knowledge of me, if you get understanding of me, if you get wisdom of me, then you will know everything that you need to know in any given situation. Amen. So I'm your wonderful counselor. And I wonder how many times that we go to everyone else in the world before we go to God. First thing we got to do is post it on Facebook. That's the first thing we got to do because we're hoping that somebody has the answer for us. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. What do you think? Well, let me tell you something. Most of the time, what most of my Facebook friends have to say about the situation ain't worth carrying home in a paper sack. You can say amen or oh me, one or the other. There are times that I sit down with my wife and I say, "What, what do you think? And I'm interested in her wisdom. She has knowledge that I don't have. She can share things with me that I need to know. But let me tell you something. There are times in my life that even my own wife cannot tell me what I need to know. There's only one place that I can obtain the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding that I need. And it will have to come from my wonderful counselor who knows all things and can give me the information that I need. The wonderful counselor. And then he says, you can also refer to me as the mighty God. Oh, I like that. That word mighty also means the greatest that there is. The highest level. You know, I... uh, I, you know, in in sports, they have different levels. They have, you know, you you have your your high school teams, and and you have your small college teams, and then and then you have other teams that they're in lesser leagues, and then you get into the NCAA, and you get into the powerhouse teams, and even when you get into the NCAA, there are teams that have never really been that good, and then there are teams uh, that it seems like every year. Year after year after year after year, they are winners because they have built a winning culture around their program. And uh, they, they usually are expected to win in every game unless, of course, you're Duke. Amen. And let's just move on real quickly from that. There are different levels of athletics. There are different levels of success. But what God is saying here is, is that you can count on the fact that I have never been defeated. There is no one that has ever been stronger than me. There has never been anyone mightier than me. And when I come onto the scene, the false gods like Dagon in the Old Testament, the only thing they can do is fall on their face before me because they have no power to stand in my presence. I remember 
remember when one of the prophets of old, uh, he said, let's just make an altar here and let's put a trench around it and let's put an offering on it uh, and you call upon your God and see if he will consume it with fire. And when you're finished, I'll step up. And the prophets of Baal, they prayed to their God. They prayed for a long time. They cut themselves as a personal sacrifice unto their God. But guess what? When it was all said and done, their God had no power to answer their prayer. Their God had no power to step onto the scene. And when they were finished, the prophet stepped up and said, get out of the way, boys. I've got something to show you. Put some more water on that sacrifice. Put some more water in that ditch. And with 63 simple words, he called upon the mighty God that we're talking about today. And the fire consumed the sacrifice that day. Listen, there's no one greater than our God. There's no one more powerful than the God that we serve today. There's no sickness that can stand in the same place as your God. He is mighty, mighty God. Give Him praise in the house today if you will. At the very beginning of that prophetic word last week, the Spirit of the Lord said, let me call you up higher. Man, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I want to go higher. I, I don't want to go down. I don't want to go the other direction. I, I don't, I don't want to be a quitter. I don't, I don't want to give up. Donna and I, you know, we're, we're getting to that place in life where, I, I mean, we're not old but we're not young either. You know what I'm saying? How many of you have ever experienced that? And we, we've been talking a little bit about, you know, well, if we could sell our house in Cleveland and, and have a little money that we could access and, and maybe buy a place here in, in Louisville and get settled, you know, because we're not always going to be here. There's going to come a day when as much as I love you, I'm probably going to retire one of these days. When I get 102, I plan to be done. I don't know. No, I don't, I don't know when it will be. But I, I, I think about those things. And, and I said to her, I said, but I tell you what, I don't want to be one of those grimy, old, bad attitude old men that just, just lope around life always looking like that I had Metamucil for breakfast. I don't want to be one of those kind of people that just kind of goes around uh, and then just like the Grinch that stole Christmas. I know people like that, don't you? Now don't you go home and say, Pastor, I preached at me today. Listen, I'll tell you like my dad always told me, if the shoe fits, wear it. But if you need to change shoes change shoes. Amen. It's possible. I don't want to be some foul old man. I want to die happy. I want to die with a smile on my face, witnessing to somebody, telling them about my Lord Jesus Christ. I want to go out of this thing with a bang whenever that is. I don't want to be old. I don't want to be bad. I want to be mighty. I want to serve this mighty God with every ounce of energy that I have. Then he said, not only do you need to call me the mighty God, but he said, why don't you go ahead and know me as the everlasting father? You know, one of the great problems that we have in America today is the absence of men in the home. 
You may or may not agree with that, but it's been proven through research that when the divorce rates started growing and men started leaving the household, it's not that the women aren't capable. It's just that God designed a family to consist of a husband and a wife. A man and a woman. He designed it so that that man and that woman would have children together and that a mother and a father would work together to raise those children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. He even says in Scripture, train up a child in the way they should go and when they are old, they shall not depart from it. You say, well, my child was raised in the church and they've departed from it. No, you don't understand the context of that scripture. What he is saying is, is that if you will raise up your child in the wisdom and the knowledge of God, they will never be able to live a single day of their life without being confronted with what scripture has to say about their situation. They can never say, nobody told me. They can never say mom and dad never taught me that. If you will raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and put in them the knowledge and the wisdom that they need, they will never live a day without that knowledge. And who knows at what time the Spirit of God will click in them and raise them up out of their sin and bring them to the old rugged cross. And if they've been there before and they are in a backslidden condition, listen, Jesus can and will take them back because He is not willing that any should perish but that all should have eternal life. Amen. I read something this week, and I can't say it word for word, but it struck me as being so true. The people in our lives that we find ourselves fighting with and, and, and dealing with, they're not the enemy. They are victims of the enemy. Just like I was a victim of the enemy. But I'm glad to know today that the everlasting Father called this Son home, forgave me of my sins, uh, and took me out of enemy status, and now has allowed me to walk in sonship with Him and in relationship with Him. The everlasting Father. What God is saying is, listen, I'm not like an earthly father. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to be your daddy forever. You can't get rid of it and get rid of me. When somebody comes up and says, who's your daddy? You can say, I'm glad you asked. My daddy is God the Father. Amen. The everlasting Father. The one who always has been. Who is and who always will be. The one who will never leave me nor forsake me. He is my daddy. Amen. My everlasting Father. And then finally, come help me quit if you will. The Prince of Peace. He said, go ahead and tell them that I'm the Prince of Peace. As I studied that this week, I began to think about it. And here's the difference between being the King of the Nation and being the Prince of Peace. The King of the Nation runs the show. The king of the nation usually runs it 
from behind a desk. The king of the nation is the one who calls shots, sets things up. And even in Bible days, if the king went out to the battlefield, he would stand in his kingly chariot and there would be people who would protect him, stand around him. Warriors who were there for his protection. He rarely got out. Sometimes they did. But they rarely got out of their chariot and went into hand-to-hand combat. No, they were protected. They were too, they were too important to the nation. They protected them. There were men who would give their lives for the king because he was so needed and necessary. He did most of his work from a distance. But a prince does not do his work from a distance. A prince is assigned an area. A prince is given given a realm of influence and he walks among the people and he talks to the people. He is with them. He, he rubs up against them, if you will. He's in close contact, that contact with them. He hears their concerns. While you might never be able to gain access to the king... It's not rare at all for you to have access to the prince. And when you see the prince, you're able to speak to him and say, we have a problem out here in the field. We need some water to come into our crops. We we need some help here. We need some protection there. We've got some animals that are coming in and they're getting into our sheep and we, we need some help from the kingdom because after all, we can't provide meat for the king if all of our sheep are dying because of the wolves. We need some help. The prince would hear them and the prince would go to work on seeing to it that their needs were met. Are you tracking with me today? He's saying, I am the Prince of Peace. When you're frustrated, you may not be able to get to the King, but you can get to the Prince. When you're worried, you may not be able to get into the castle, but you can go to where the Prince is. And what Jesus is saying is, I want you to tell my people that no matter where they are and no matter what they're going through, uh, that what they need to know is that I'm always there. uh, Not bodily, but in spirit. Because when I went away into the heavenlies, uh, we sent another one just like me known as the Holy Spirit. And He doesn't just walk in the neighborhood, but He resides inside the spirit uh, of every believer. You don't have to come to church to touch God. You don't have to talk to the pastor uh, to get a prayer up. No, wherever you are, whatever time of the day it is, uh, whenever you need Him, the Prince of Peace is there and He is available for you to call upon His name. I'm the Prince of Peace. I'm not going to put hardship on you. 
I'm not going to put hard things on you. You may be tested in this life, but I'm not going to put temptation on you and try to get you to fail. No, I'm going to help you. I'm going to resource you. I'm going to do what needs to be done so that you can be victorious. Now I want to say this and I want you to get this. If you don't hear anything else I've said today, I want you to get this. The reason that God has revealed Himself in so many ways is that there are some names that accurately reveal His DNA, but that name is not appropriate for your current situation. If you're broke and you need a financial touch from the Lord, it's not going to do you any good to call upon Him as healer. It won't do any good. What you need is provision. What you need is money. What you need is for the one who owns the cattle of a thousand hills to send provision your way. But if all you do is stand around and pray for healing in your body when you're not even sick, you're not going to get the touch from God that you need. If you're unsaved, what you need is a Savior. What you need is someone who can take away your sin. What you need is someone who can minister to you in that moment. And if you're sick, you don't need a financial touch. Well, you may with insurance the way that it is. But what you need is a financial provider. So what I'm saying to you is, is that when God said to us by His Spirit last week, I authorize you to use my name. I have not given you a spirit of doubt. That is a fleshly inclination. I have given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Then you must know who He is and how that relates to who, where you are and what you're going through right now. Let me give you a couple of examples. Scripture tells us that in a vague way that Timothy had stomach problems. Now I'm smart enough to know that he had seen healings take place on a regular basis. I mean Jesus would heal this one and heal that one and heal this one. So I know he had faith. I know he had knowledge. I know he had wisdom. And yet, one of the other disciples said to him, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. In other words, use your knowledge and wisdom and take something that will settle your stomach while you're waiting for Jesus to heal your body. Let me give you another example. Historians all agree 
that the Apostle Paul had bad eyes. Now, many people, they say, I don't know that. I wasn't there. I can't. Well, it's, it's pretty clear. Even Paul said, I write you this letter in my own hand. See how large of letters that I'm using to write to you. Because he couldn't see small letters. I wear these glasses. I can see you. So those of you who are sticking your tongue out at me right now, I know who you are. But I can't read this paper in front of me. And I can't read this this iPad in front of me. Now I can stand here and be spiritually stubborn all morning long and say, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Grease the wheel, I'm healed. I look down here at this iPad and I still can't read it. And I can stand in my stubbornness or I can say, my God has given me the knowledge and the wisdom to pick up these glasses and put them on my face and all of a sudden I can see so what am I saying I'm saying that God has revealed himself to us in so many various ways but if we get stubborn with him and say I want you to do this for me but I want you to do it my way Guess what? You may spend the rest of your life never having what God would want you to have if you would just do something different because you have the knowledge and the wisdom. You say, well, I need money. I can't pay my bills. Well, are you paying your tithes? I knew that was going to come up. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, it is. It is. Because you can't expect to say, God, meet all my financial needs. If you have the knowledge that His Word tells us to bring all of the tithe into the storehouse and then ask me and see if I will not pour out a blessing upon you that you cannot contain. Well, we can just continue in our stubbornness, whatever it is and whatever that means to you. Or we can adjust our path. Listen. I don't know why the Lord hasn't healed you, Linda. I don't know why. I don't know why He hasn't restored your body. I don't know why. But I want to say to you today that I've never known anyone who has fought anything as hard as you have fought. And I don't know anyone who has said, I am not going to give up. I am not going to quit. I'm not going to hide myself in some corner somewhere. I'm going to do what I can do until the Lord either decides to heal me on this side of glory or on the other side when I start walking on streets of gold. I don't have all the answers. But I'm proud of someone who would say, until the Lord does what I'm praying for Him to do, 
I'm still going to access and utilize his name in other ways. Tammy, I don't know why. I don't have any answers. I don't know why the Lord hasn't restored your physical body. But I know that I've watched you fight. And I know that I've watched you stand strong. And I know that I've watched you stand up out of a wheelchair and dance and utilize your gift for the the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. And who knows? I don't know. God may yet restore your body completely. I don't know. But until He does, you use the wisdom and the knowledge that He has given you to be the witness that He has called you to be. Let me tell you, He has revealed Himself to us. And now all that is required is that we begin to walk in the revelation of who He is. Will you stand with me this morning? Ushers, come if you will. We're going to have communion this morning. I want you to position yourself and when the the ushers get here and are prepared, I want you to come. We provide open communion, which just means you don't have to be a member of our church. If you are a child of God, you've been saved.